All right, thank you guys for being here this morning. You uh, have uh, braved the virus and came, and so thank you for that. Uh, it's just great to be together as God's family, to worship Him and praise Him. It's so important for our life, isn't it, to worship and praise God. Uh, boy, wasn't our, our young folks just great this morning? Isn't it? Yeah, they were... So amazing! It, uh, it inspires me and encourages me about our church, the future church that we have. I appreciate Mary's ministry so much with uh, our our kids and all of her students, really. But to know that she's investing in a generation to come that will have those that will be there later to continue the ministry is just a wonderful thing to do and. So uh, I'm so uh, proud and so excited of uh, the things that are happening in, in our church body, our church family. And so thank you guys so much. Thank you for being brave. I know it's not always easy to come and uh, to be in front of people and to share, even as gifted and as talented as you guys are. Sometimes it's still a little scary, but I just want you guys to know that what you have is a gift from God. And it's important. And so I just want to continue to encourage you to always play for him, play for his glory. I know practice isn't fun. Uh, and I know you can grind it out every day trying to get motivated to practice, practice. But listen, uh, just remember who you do it for and that you're really giving honor to God when you use what God's given you. So thank you for all the hard work you do, not not just today, but what you put in to get to where you are today. Uh, I am, I'm just so thrilled to hear you guys and hope we can hear more from you later uh, in the future. So thank you all so, so very much. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. And in Luke chapter 1, I'd love to finish up your outline that hopefully you kept from last week, or there's a new one in the bulletin this week uh, that has the, the rest of the message. It's always great for us to look at these Christmas passages, I want to call them. It's a part of the story, God's announcement, the background for why we celebrate Christmas and uh, the, the, uh, how we celebrate it as well. And one of those great thoughts that we should take away from the story of Jesus Christ, his birth, is the fact that really embedded in all this is the idea of service. Uh, Jesus came to this earth. He said himself, I came to serve and not to be served. What he did by coming and, and being born uh, of Mary and living his life and ministering the way he did is all an expression of service. Uh, we want examples of things that we don't understand. Well, if we want an example of what it is to be a servant, all we need to do is look at the Lord Jesus Christ and those who followed him. Scripture outlines some of those. And so one of those servants was a guy by the name of John the Baptist. That's who we are going to look at again this morning, and especially his father, Zacharias. Zacharias was announcing uh, in so many, not so many ways, the birth of Jesus, but the birth of his son, John, who would be the forerunner of Jesus Christ and who would prepare the way for the public ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's important uh, that we realize John's place in all this because he certainly is a great servant of the Lord. And so if you'd follow along with me, 
Let me just share some things with you about this, this idea of, of serving. But when you think about it, service is, is a gift from God. That it's not a, it's not a, I don't know, it's not a drudgery or it's not a, uh, an inconvenience. But service for God is a gift. Uh, it's really a privilege to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself is, is a gift. Paul described Jesus in, the, in the, this way. He said uh, that thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift or his indescribable gift. And in, in reflection of the gift that Jesus is to us, is that uh, that appreciation for that gift is reflected in our service to him. In other words, the, the way that we love Jesus is reflective in what we do for him. Uh, or what we do uh, to honor him and to glorify him. And so John certainly was one of those, and so we can look at his life and see some things about that are important. Uh, follow along with me, if you would, beginning in Luke chapter 1. I want to go back into verse 67 and then follow through uh, the verse 79. Scripture says this, And now his father, speaking about John the Baptist, now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hands of those who hate us to perform the mercy promised in our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he wrote in uh, to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hands of our enemies might serve him without fear in the holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you child will be called the prophet of the highest for you will go for, before the face of the Lord to prepare, prepare the way, his way to give knowledge of salvation to his people by remission of their sins uh, through the tender mercies of our God who which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Bow with me if you would and let's pray again this morning. Father, we're so grateful and thankful today. That in all your love and wisdom and mercy that you, you show us these wonderful examples of, of what it is to be fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. To live out that abundant life that Jesus promised. And Lord, so much of that abundant life that we have in Christ Jesus is about serving him. How that, that service brings fullness to our very experience. How that knowing that we're contributing in a very special way to the kingdom of God. How important that is today, the generation that we live in today. <clears throat> Father, how that you've picked a place for us, that you've created us uniquely for serving you. So Lord, I pray this morning as we think about these things that we've read this morning, as we consider what these things mean, how they apply to our lives, that Lord, you'll open our hearts and minds to receive your word that our thoughts would be about you this morning, that, Lord, we would just take it in, examine it, and, Lord, then begin to live it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
you know, last Sunday we looked at the idea about this prophecy that Zacharias received from God, how that it discloses salvation, that really what Zacharias was saying uh, and, and really imparting to us is this idea of salvation. But this morning I want us to move a little bit further into what he was saying and in his prophecy, also with the understanding that the, this prophecy that he shared really defines a servant also. In other words, we can understand better what it means to be a servant of Christ. We begin to look at John's example and what his father said about him. And so, you know, I'm, I'm all about examples. Sometimes you just have to draw me a picture. Uh, I'm that slow sometimes. I, I don't always get it. And so uh, I just really need to see it in action. I need to see what it looks like. And, and so certainly God has provided us examples of servants in our life. If I, I were to take some time this morning and ask you to say, hey, who was that person in your life? that helped you the most in your Christian walk. All of us would have someone, wouldn't we? We'd have someone serving God before us in a way that we could look at and see that we could really say that, hey, I learned so much by how she affected my life or I learned so much by how he affected my life. We all know those. And then we can look at Scripture, uh, how God describes those servants. And we can see pictures in the Word of God about servants that were faithful and effective for him in their day as well. And we can take from that what we need to understand as well. And John is one of those. John the Baptist is one of those. Uh, and as his father gives his prophecy, he really in so many terms defines what it is to be a servant. If you look with me in verse uh, 76, first of all, God defines, he defined his place of service. In other words, uh, listen to what Zacharias was prophesying about. Remember, Zacharias is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's full of the Holy Spirit. So what he's saying, God is giving him to say, and he's sharing it. But in verse 76, he says this. He says, and you, child, he's talking about his own child, John the Baptist. And he's saying, you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will be before his face, uh, uh, before the face of the Lord to prepare his way. So he's talking about his own son. He's saying, John, here's what your life is going to be like. You're going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. You're going to be the one who's going to precede him and begin to, to share the message of God in a way that it's going to get the hearts of the people ready. I, I just want to say to our musicians this morning, you don't realize how much your ministry is likened to John the Baptist. How that the songs that you sing and the way that you minister to our church family is a way of preparation for our church family to be able to receive the Word of God. And so I don't want to call you John the Baptist, but maybe you're like that. Your ministry and your service that you do is certainly like His. And it's meaningful. Listen, God assigned this particular ministry to John the Baptist. Why? Because it was important to His kingdom. God's placed you all and, and your service and your ministry and put you in the place that you are because it's important to His kingdom. It's important to reach people and to encourage believers. And so God defined His place in service. John the Baptist, the prophet of the highest. You know, I really believe that God continues to do that today in His kingdom, that God appoints us to service. In other words, He calls us distinctly to certain things. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is in 
Ephesians chapter 2. And it, it's right after two really great verses of Scripture that those, you know, that, that, that talk about God forgiving us or, uh, or saving us. And, and uh, he talks about, for by grace you're saved through faith. You know that one? And it's not of works, not, uh, lest any of us would be able to boast, right? We, we'd be boasters if we saved ourselves. But he goes on to say in, in, in the verse that follows that, he says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, the, the thing that Paul's reminding us is that God saved us to serve him. He says we're his workmanship. If you, if you look at that Greek word and do a little study on that Greek word workmanship, it means masterpiece. It's, uh, you know, when we look at the works of Michelangelo or Leonardo da Vinci and we look at those great works, there, there was a time that those masterpieces were incomplete. And they would continue to, to work on those masterpieces until the very completion and the idea that Paul brings to us as servants is that, that we, we're, we're significant, that it's important what we do. You know, these great pieces of art that we can look at today sometimes inspire us to do great things. They inspire us, they lift us up. Listen, a servant of God has that same effect in people's lives. We can lift each other up. We, we can lift other people up by our service toward God. Maybe you've never thought of yourselves as a masterpiece, but you really are. You're that work that's not completed yet. But the Bible says also, for he has begun a good work in us, will complete it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have God's word that you're a masterpiece that will be finished. You're not going to be partially done. You're going to be complete. And that masterpiece or that creation is for good works. Now, listen, Paul says that we're created for good works. He says we're not created by good works. Right? In other words, we didn't save ourselves. He'd already addressed that. We're not saved by works, but we're saved for works. In other words, God saved us, redeemed us, paid the price, gave his life for us so that we could believe in him, have eternal life, and serve him. And Paul reminds us that he prepared this beforehand. In other words, before he made you, he made, he made your place in the body of Christ. And so he appoints us to those things that we should walk in them. Wow, that's pretty great, isn't it? Uh, so God appoints us. He, is, he gives us this place in, in ministry and service for him. Well, not only does he specifically give us a place in ministry... You know, that'd be great enough if that were all it is, but he also gives us or equips us to do that ministry. It'd be a cruel thing, wouldn't it, if God says, hey, I'm putting you here to do this. You don't have a clue about it. You don't have any resources to do it. Uh, and so you're, really, what, what would he be assigning us to? He'd be assigning us to failure. God didn't do that. He gives us, he equips us with what we need to be able to do what he's assigned us for. God will, will never leave us unprepared or unable to do what he's called us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit. 
uh, the enablement of the Spirit. Listen to what Paul writes here also about this idea of service. He, he begins chapter 12, verse 4. He says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. In other words, there's different abilities that God gives to each of us in the body of Christ. But it's one Spirit that gives it. It's the Holy Spirit. He goes on, then there are different ministries in the same, uh, 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 but, but the same Lord. In other words, there's different abilities that we have. There's different talents that we have. There's different spiritual gifts, enablements that we have. And there's different things to do in the body of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? I, I'm so glad that God didn't say, Hey, uh, Mike, I want, I want you to help the music people because I know immediately that's not my calling because he didn't give me what I need to do there. So sometimes we identify our place in the body of Christ by what we can't do <coughs> and, and we discover what we can do in the body of Christ. Paul goes on to say, He says, and there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. There it is, isn't it? Why does God set us in a place in the body of Christ? Why does He give us specific ministries? Why does He equip us or enable us, empower us to do those specific ministries so that we all benefit from it? So that the body of Christ is alive and whole and well. And through that body of Christ, Jesus Christ is glorified. He's glorified. You know, the Bible builds a strong case for you and I to be servants of God. We can't ignore that. If we ignore that, then we're ignoring God Himself. Scripture after Scripture builds on the principles that we're saved to serve God. Throughout the Bible. Well, let me give you another one. John certainly fulfilled his ministry, his place in service. And the challenge for you and I is that that we have our own. We have to do our own and fulfill our own ministries. Nobody can substitute for that. Well, listen, what did Jesus say about the ministry of John the Baptist? When when John was, was fulfilling and completing his ministry, listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11. He says, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of a woman, there is... There's not risen one greater than John the Baptist. Why was Jesus so encouraging about John the Baptist? Because he fulfilled his ministry. Jesus was satisfied with his life because he was true to where God had put him and to trust And God's strength to equip him. You and I need to be that way today. That God has a place for us in ministry and service to him. And we ought to celebrate that. You know, I shared with you last week. I don't believe that there's a greater time in all the year. That when God opens the hearts of the world like he does at Christmas time. And so he's making a way for us. Just like John the Baptist prepared the way for the coming Messiah. Jesus Christ uses uh, uh, times like this to prepare a way for you and I to minister. COVID, as bad as it is, it's a time, a way that you and I can minister to other people. God's given us opportunity. We need to take advantage of it. So there's his place in ministry. Well, not only about uh, something that defines a servant, not only do we have a place in ministry, but also if you'll consider with me also 
that we, we ought to consider uh, our purpose for service. His purpose, John. What does that look like? Look at verse 77 and listen to what it says. To, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. You see, isn't that really the purpose of our service? It is to really give, give knowledge to people about who God is. To really enlighten a world that's sitting in lost darkness and, and really enlighten them about the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, it has to do with a message, doesn't it? Uh, he, he says that uh, uh, John's calling was to prepare the way for him who comes. That was his message. And so John went out and he began to, to preach. Listen, get ready. God's going to do something important. Uh, God is going to do something significant. Get ready for what God's about to do. You know, do you think that message is really different for you and I today? I want to tell you, there are some promises in the Bible that haven't been fulfilled yet that you and I are waiting for, that this world's waiting for today. And what the world needs to hear is that, listen, God's going to do something significant. Not, not only did He come, but He's coming again. That God has more things to do than He's done already. That there's more to experience. That there's more to have. So you need to get ready. Are you ready? You know, a long time ago. And you see a few now uh, along the way. But you used to be driving down the road and you see a cross or a sign that says, Prepare to meet thy God. It's from <laughs> Prophet Amos. And, and so, so what, what, what it really means is you better be ready. That you need to get your heart ready because you're going to meet God. Our message hadn't changed today. That's a reality. That's an unchangeable truth that applies to every human being. Question is, are, are they going to meet God in a relationship with Him? Or are they going to meet Him having rejected His salvation? We're all going to meet Him. Are we ready? Are we prepared? And that was John's message. Prepare the way. Get ready. Because... Jesus is coming. Hadn't changed for you and I today either. Look at his, at his motives. You know, uh, really, I, I found out that motivation uh, to, to serve God, sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to get motivated. Sometimes we're motivated for the wrong reasons. We serve God for the wrong reasons. And, uh, you know, you, you think about that uh, message. Well, let me just take you to another passage of Scripture. Hold on to Luke chapter 1 here just a minute. And turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. You guys do that? All right. Slap your bulletin in at Luke chapter 1. And turn in, the, in your Bibles to, uh, uh, to uh, Matthew chapter 3. And in Matthew chapter 3, listen to what Jesus says about the ministry of John the Baptist also. Uh, not only was he to give knowledge of salvation, but uh, it's kind of amplified in what Matthew writes here as well. And you find it beginning at verse 3. He says, For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. There it is. And get ready, because the Lord's coming. Make his path straight. In other words, get everything in order, so that when he comes, you'll be able to embrace him in all fullness. You know, sometimes as believers, we need to hear that message. Uh, verse 4 says, Now John himself was clothed in camel hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. 
And then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around Jordan went out to him and were baptizing by and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Wow, what a what a testimony. You talk about not only that message prepare the way, but think about his motives. You know, I thought about how how the Bible presents him as, as a guy in in camel hair. I don't know what it's like to wear camel hair. I, I've touched a camel before, and they're not really fluffy or they're not real comfortable or anything like that. But I thought about this idea. You know, what what was it? What does it mean that he? I mean, it's significant. That the Bible mentions it. Was it mean? Uh, it was it was a very common dress. I, I thought about you know how, what what in the world difference does that make? And I, I thought about as a child growing up. You know, I had two older brothers, and and uh, about a week before school started, our mom would take us out. She'd grab us up by the hand, take us out, and we'd go to the dry goods store. Some of you guys don't know what that is, but. Uh, so anyhow, we'd go down to the dry goods store and she'd pick us out and hold up some jeans. And I'll tell you what, jeans in that day aren't like jeans are today. Because you stand these babies up. I mean, you could hold them up uh, and they'd, they'd stand on their own. Uh, for a while till they got laundered and washed uh, for a while. And, and if you wore them before you washed them, then when you took them off, you looked like a smurf from the waist, waist down. Because they weren't pre-washed. Uh, you, you just got them, and 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 my mom always held them up, and and then she'd pull them up a little bit, and find the right size because for the first few months of school, we had to roll our 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 wrist legs up because she bought them big enough to last all year, and she knew, hey, these boys are going to be growing, we're going to get them big enough, and and they can just turn the legs of them up, and well, you talk about embarrassing. I mean, those first few months of wearing those jeans and those things, cuffs turned up, uh, I mean, it was embarrassing, you know. And, and, you know, our family, we didn't have a lot, and a lot of families didn't have a lot. Uh, but yet that was a sign that we probably didn't have a lot. And so you'd go to school just kind of wearing the banner of my family doesn't have a lot uh, kind of thing, and, and that was a part of it. And, and what John the Baptist did dressed in this camel hair, it was saying, he was really just saying, look, I, I'm, I'm really not into fashion. I, I'm really not into chasing a fortune. What I'm into is serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a sign of his humility. You see, we serve Jesus Christ in humility. I don't know about eating locusts. I'm, I've got to be honest with you, I've never had a locust. Uh, wild honey probably wasn't from bees, but it was probably date honey. Uh, that they, they make it in, in Israel out of dates. And so if you want honey over there, you get date honey. And so that, it was just real practical kind of diet. And so John's saying that, look, my, my intentions or my things aren't about the things of this world, but they're about the things of Jesus Christ. And so as a servant, we have to keep that in mind, our motives, right? Are we serving Jesus Christ? And, and, and you look at the ministry that he had. So many heard his message. And so many came to confess their sins. And so, you see, that's what I believe that God is calling us to be a part of today, is, is serving Him. So this prophecy that Zacharias had was one that described a servant. But look a little bit further with me, because not only uh, did, it, uh, uh, did it define a servant, but also he goes on and he describes, really, if you look... In verses 78 through 79, he describes the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That John 
his father, Zacharias, by sharing about his son, also goes on and shares about the one that he serves, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, one of the great metaphors for Christ in all the Bible, uh, one of the great symbols for him is light. You look at the Bible and you think about light. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is light. John the Apostle, not John the Baptist, but John the Apostle, wrote this in his gospel, the book of John. And he said this about that, about Jesus and about light. He says, in him, in Jesus, we have life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. John, what John's saying is that Jesus is life, and his life lights our world. Uh, the Bible says, and the world didn't comprehend it. In other words, that com- word comprehend means the, the darkness did not overcome the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nor will it ever overcome the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, that Jesus Christ shines so brightly that nothing about this world will ever be able to overcome him and what he says to us. And so uh, it, it becomes, uh, he describes Jesus Christ as, 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 as light uh, or the light of our life. And, and he says, in, look at verse 78, uh, because he talks about the lights of his. He says in verse 78, uh, back in Luke chapter 1, uh, and let me get back there. Uh, but he says in Luke chapter 1, 78, uh, he talks about this visit that Jesus Christ is about to make or that you and I look back and saw that he made. Uh, and he says this about it. He says, through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us. Now, it's kind of significant because the word day spring is, is kind of a neat word because it's a word for dawn. Uh, the, the The time when... You know, the sun, some of you, let me explain that to you. It's when the sun comes up. Uh, some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are at work long before that happens. Some of you might not remember what that looks like, but it's when dawn happens. In other words, it's that time when the sun creeps over the horizon and you begin to see. Things begin to get light around you. And so the idea of what Zacharias is saying is that, that in Jesus Christ, life has come to light. That we can understand really how to live. The, the beauty of the rising sun, isn't it? How glorious that is. We've had some great ones here lately. But it really means the coming forth of God's grace. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when we think about dawn, the, the psalmist uh, wrote uh, about the dawn and about our struggles that we have. And, and he said this, he says, weeping endures for the night. But joy comes in the morning. In other words, we we can suffer and worry and struggle. Have you ever had those nights before where you couldn't sleep? Just anxious. You didn't feel good. Uh, Things were just, you were just struggling. And all of a sudden, it started to get daylight. And it just seems like that burden is lifted from you. That's what happens in Jesus Christ. He, he's that day spring. The Bible says from on high or from above or from heaven. Zacharias was seeing hope from heaven. He, he was seeing a coming of the Christ that his son would announce ahead of time. That would be such a significant event 
that, that it would change everyone's life. The Bible says in verse 78, he talks about that how this day spring from on high has visited us. The word visit here isn't just coming for a sit-down social. The word visit used here means to be present in order to help. Do you remember what James says pure and undefiled religion was? He says it was to help the widows and the orphans. To visit the widows and orphans. What James is talking about wasn't go by and say, have a social visit. What he was talking about is give aid to them. Give help to them. When you look in the New Testament, the word visited so many times it's used in the sense that God is coming to us to aid us and assist us. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ has done for us. And what John was called to announce to the world and what you and I are left with the message of the same ministry. Tell others. He goes on in verse 79. He talks about not the, the life's value, that it's important. The message you and I have is incredibly important. What John shared in his day was indispensable for the kingdom of God. And let me tell you today, what you and I have to share is as equally indispensable as what John had to share. Verse 79, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. What's he talking about here? What value does hearing about Jesus have? It has the value or the opportunity or the possibility to release someone from darkness. He says to give light to those who sit in darkness. Think about the world that we live in today. If there's ever been a time where billions of people are sitting in darkness, it's today. I I mean, they're stuck. (laughs) You know, uh, why why would you think he would use the, the term sit? Because how hard is it to move around in darkness? They don't know what to do. They don't know how to do it. And so what does the world do? It sits in darkness. Until what? Until a believer comes along and shares the light. That releases them from the captivity of their darkness. He says in in the shadow of death, you know, that's relief, isn't it? The greatest fear anyone has is dying. I mean, our nation is gripped in fear from this coronavirus because everybody, well, if I get that, I'm dead. You know? But the believer just says, okay, and? Because when I'm absent from this body, I'm present with the Lord. And so the believer looks at death in a different way. As a matter of fact, Paul gave the church the message of, uh, of the rapture of the church. And he said, use that message to comfort those who have no hope. In other words, that God has a place for us after we die. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. And so there's billions of people on the face of this earth that are gripped and need some relief from the fear of death. 
And what do we have as believers? We have hope. We have the promise of a reunion that's never broken or never ends. And we don't have to fear death. We, you know, when we think about death for a believer, is it's really just relocation, isn't it? It's relocation from a temporary world to an eternal world. We're not, you know, I, I, I really sometimes I, I have a problem with some of the terms we use about death. And say, well, I lost my mom. Or I lost my dad. If your mom and dad's a Christian, they're not lost. I mean, they're seeing the end of their faith. If you know somebody that's a believer, you hadn't lost anything. As a matter of fact, that person's gone, has gained. Paul says, as for me to die is gain. So there, we can rejoice in their gain and wait till our gain comes along. So there's that message of relief. And also, knowing Jesus Christ and receiving that message of salvation gives us reference on how to live our life. What does he say at the end of verse um, 79? He says, to guide our feet into the way of peace. You know, Jesus Christ gives us a way to look at life in, in, in a perspective that we've never seen before. He gives us a way to consider things in a way that we never thought about those things before. And ultimately, His desire is that you and I have peace. That we get, receive that peace. You know, Jesus spoke about that on his, his, his last time that he met with his disciples before his crucifixion. Remember, he says, peace I give to you. Not, not the world's kind of peace, but, but my peace I give unto you. They had that because they knew Jesus Christ. And they believed in him. It's the same today. It's the ministry that you and I have as servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, I know that God probably, listen, I know He's not called any of us here this morning to be a prophet in the sense of what John the Baptist was. But you know what He may have called you to do? He may have called you to encourage somebody. Maybe somebody who's struggling right now and you say, well, Brother Mike, this COVID thing, I can't get out of my house. I, I can't go very many places. I can't do very much. You know, it may be a text message. It might be somebody hadn't thought about a phone call. It might be taking a, a, a card out, writing a message in it, folding it up, putting it in an envelope, and sending it to somebody. It, it may be you, I don't know, making them some cookies, setting it on their front porch, and before the dogs grab them, you call them up and say, hey, there's something on your front porch for them. It may be the most simple act of kindness and love that you're showing to somebody who's lost. And doesn't know Jesus Christ, who's that one person who's sitting in darkness. And that one act of kindness may open their mind, their heart, to receive a message that you can share with them later. Or that somebody else will come along behind you and share. But but you know what I've kind of discovered? That if we do nothing, you know what? We'll get nothing. But if we invest in the kingdom of God, so the most simple of things, God can take that simple thing and can do some incredible things. 
John the Baptist's ministry, you know, we don't know how long it lasted. Probably maybe less than a year. Two years. Less than Jesus' ministry. He came on the scene shortly before Jesus. And when, he came, when Jesus came on the scene, Jesus Christ took over. Because John said, I must decrease and he must increase. And not long after that, he gave his life serving the Lord Jesus Christ. A short ministry, but a powerful ministry. You and I may have a simple ministry, but it'll be a powerful ministry if we do it for the Lord. Bow with me and we're going to pray. Father in heaven, we are so grateful today that in these great pictures in Scripture of what it is to be a servant. That, Lord, you can help us to understand what our calling is, what our our life should be like, what our purpose is. Lord, thank you that you have called us and placed us significantly important in the body of Christ. Thank you for that today. Lord, help us to be consistent and faithful to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand as we close our service today. Thank you guys again for...